Welcome to With You Every Step, the solo travel podcast that explores, explains and hopefully inspires you to travel the world by yourself. I'm your host, Michelle Lee. Welcome back to With You Every Step. As you all know, traveling is my love and my passion. Sometimes it can be exhausting and overwhelming. This episode, I'm going to be really honest with you all. A lot of you have said to me that you really can relate to my stories and maybe this episode you can relate to it as well. I know a lot of people have health problems and this episode I'm going to talk to you about my health issues, my journey with my health issues and how I travel to accommodate all the health problems I have. I hope that it resonates with you and maybe you can relate to it somehow. So I'm going to give you my backstory going all the way back to when I was a baby. I was born a very unattractive baby. I've been told this and I've seen photos. It's true. I was an ugly baby, but apparently I got cute really quick, but I was born healthy. There was nothing wrong with me when I was born, but at the age of two months old, I got measles. And that was really rare. Apparently, most babies so young don't get sick so quick. The doctor didn't realize what it was at first. He said to mum, this can't be, it can't happen. And then he did some tests and figured out that's what it was. So I did have measles really young. I was fine. I didn't end up with any other complications from it. Also born with a heart murmur. Okay, maybe I wasn't born so healthy. Okay, maybe... And then I was pretty healthy. I was an athlete. I was a basketballer. As you've heard me say, basketball was my first love and my first passion. And still to this day, it is my very first love. I love it more than anything in the world, as well as traveling. Maybe they're on even part. No, basketball still. Yeah, actually, I don't know. Yeah, I think they're even. I'd have to say they're even. I played quite a lot of basketball all the time. I was always playing. I was playing at quite a high level very competitive. If you listen to my intro, you probably would have heard me say that I went to the USA for basketball as my very first trip overseas when I was 17. And it was everything to me. I wanted to be a basketballer. That was my dream. It was my passion. And then my health started going down. In high school, I started coming home from school. I started going to bed really early, falling asleep basically at the dinner table finished high school, did okay, still playing now at a higher level. And my health started getting worse, but we didn't really know what was wrong with me. I knew I was tired. I knew I had a lot of sore throats. I knew I felt terrible. I knew I didn't have any energy. I would go to basketball. I would try my best. I was a healthy looking person. But within two minutes of running, my legs got heavy. I felt like I was going to pass out. The exhaustion was overwhelming. My mum looked at me and I remember her saying, there's something wrong with you. And I said, there is. I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't know why this is happening. And it was heartbreaking because all I wanted to do was play basketball. Sorry, it makes me cry just talking about it. Because all I wanted to do was play basketball and be healthy and be fit. And I looked fit and people didn't understand what was going on on the inside. 
it was really hard. So we started going to different doctors. Oh, why am I so emotional? I'm so sorry. I didn't expect this to come out like this, but obviously it still upsets me. So we started going to different doctors and no one believed me. Everybody said, there's nothing wrong with you. Is it depression? Is it anxiety? I've never had these issues still to this day. I don't suffer with depression or anxiety. And I know a lot of people do. I consider myself extremely lucky that I don't have those problems because I know how debilitating they can be. And this is what they were telling me. And I'm at the age of 21. I've been diagnosed with ulcers in my esophagus. They don't know why I have these problems. I'm getting all of these other issues, stomach issues, all of these other problems. I went to a doctor with mum and this doctor looked at my mother and he said, your daughter is anorexic or bulimic. And I looked at mum and mum looked at me and we looked back at this doctor and we said, what are you talking about? I love food. He's like, yes, but you are very, very skinny. I'm an athlete. I play basketball five times a week. No, you're very skinny. I think that's your problem. And no, that's not my problem. And my mother looked at me and she said, she's my daughter. I know my daughter. That's not her problem. And he said, you don't know what she does in the bathroom when you're not with her. This is a doctor saying this to me. And again, mum and I looked at each other and we said, yep, thanks for your time. And we left. That was not my problem. It's never been my problem. I don't have, well, maybe I eat too much. Yeah, I probably have a slight unhealthy thing with food where I can't stop eating chocolate. But other than that, no, I don't have a problem with food. One of my best friends said, Michelle, this is ridiculous. I think I know what it is and I need you to come with me. I'm taking you to my doctor. I'm going to sit in with this appointment with you and we're going to try and get this sorted. I said, I'll try anything. I need help. This is not okay. By this point, I think I've been cut from the team that I was playing in because I couldn't run around the tan, which is one of our gardens here. As basketballers, we're not long distance runners anyway, but everyone else was coping okay. They just went slow. For me, as soon as I started running, it sent me to the bathroom. I wasn't well. I had to run. I was nearly going to vomit. I got cut from the team. This guy, again, he had no idea what my problem was didn't care. Okay, fine. It broke my heart. We needed to get this sorted. So I went to this doctor with my friend and this doctor said, I'm pretty sure I know what this is. Please tell me, what is it? He said, I think you have something called chronic fatigue syndrome. A lot of people don't understand what it is. I know a specialist. I'll send you to a specialist. They'll be able to diagnose you and see if this is what the actual problem is. Great. Please do it went to this specialist. My mum came with me. We went in. He ran a whole bunch of tests. We went back in. It's going to make me cry again. (laughs) And he said, yes, this is your problem. You have chronic fatigue syndrome. You are standard. You fit the bill perfectly. This is what it is. I can remember feeling like finally someone understands me. It's not in my head. I'm not crazy which is what everyone was telling me, is that there's something wrong with you and that you're crazy and being told that you're not 
It was such a great feeling. And I'm sure there's so many of you out there that have been through this problem of someone not believing you or not understanding what your problem is. And then when you get told, actually, this is what it is, the relief, it's amazing. I'm so sorry. I didn't expect to be crying through this episode. So the relief was amazing. I've got myself together again. They then put a whole bunch of things in place for me to help me get better. I saw a dietitian because having chronic fatigue syndrome means there's a whole lot of other things that come along with it. You end up with food allergies, which is why now I can't tolerate so many types of foods. You end up with all these other issues, stomach issues, ulcers probably are all related. So many of these things, the aches, the pains, all is related to the same thing. So I ended up getting better. I got put on this super strict diet that helped me figure out the things I was allergic to. I was put on a whole bunch of vitamins that helped my body get back to functioning properly. And now I'm at a point where I can manage it, which means I can travel and I can travel a lot, but I can't push myself too much. I have to be careful on how I do things. And I think that comes with whatever problem you might have. You've got to tailor your trips to how you can travel. For me, I love going to third world countries. I love seeing how other people live. I don't want to be put in a box and see the countries that are very similar to my own. I want to explore, which means I'm going to countries where there is not such good water and touch wood. I have never, yeah, I just touched wood by the way. (laughs) I have never been sick from drinking the water. I am ridiculous about how I make sure I don't touch anything. I will not wash my face in the water. I will not brush my teeth in the water. I won't eat salad. I won't have ice in my drinks because if I have the slightest little thing, it will set me off. And then setting me off to being sick means it will ruin the rest of my trip because that then means my body will be exhausted from fighting whatever that is that I won't have the energy to enjoy anything. So I have to be so careful with making sure that I don't touch it. I don't, if I wash my hands, I use antiseptic on my hands afterwards in case I touch my mouth. I am so careful. People will say to me, ooh, OCD. Yep, I'd rather be. I'd rather you judge me than me be sick and not enjoy my trip. I take all my own medication, vitamins, whatever you need. I suggest you take it with you. I never rely on the fact that I'll be able to get whatever it is wherever I am. I don't trust it. Going to a doctor can be hard, can be expensive. Getting the right medication, they might not have it wherever you are. I take everything with me and I don't even take it in the packages. I know a lot of people, I see them right on forums about taking medication and how do you transfer it and how do you do you get through customs. I take it all out of the packaging. I don't even keep the boxes. They take up room. I don't want to take up room. I've never been stopped 
through customs to check any of my medication. And I normally have a lot of it as well as Panadol, Nurofen, all of those hay fever tablets. I take everything with me and I've never been stopped. And I know people get really stressed about that. And if you are stressed about it, take the boxes. It's fine. I prefer not to take them and I take it all out of the boxes and not once have I ever been asked for anything, but I prefer to have it with me. It's just, again, peace of mind for me. I know a lot of people get really worried about having toilet issues while you're traveling. Everyone needs to go to the loo. And I can tell you that absolutely I get stressed about it. Totally I do. But what you learn the more you travel is that no matter who you're traveling with or who you meet, you might meet someone on a tour or a friend. The f- One of the first things that you bond over is toilet issues. It always is. If you've ever traveled and you've met people and you've hung out with them for a few days, I can guarantee you've had a conversation about poop at some point. It just happens when you're traveling. That's what you end up talking about. You learn about each other's toilet ways and it just happens. And I know it stresses a lot of people out, but everyone has to go. And I think everyone is supportive of the fact that everyone needs to go at some point. The other thing that I'm super careful with is what I eat. Because I have a lot of stomach issues and a lot of allergies, I need to be super careful with what I put into my body. And if I look and think something doesn't look like it's been just cooked or it might have been sitting there for a little bit, we went to this buffet in Uganda and... I looked at this buffet and went, "Mm, I'm not confident about this food. I'm going to eat the rice. And all I did was eat the rice. That's all I had from this buffet. I had enough to fill me. I was fine. Then we're on a eight hour bus trip to the next destination. Half the bus get food poisoning from the buffet. Actually, I think pretty much everybody did apart from me. We had to pull the bus over. And all of these people had to go and basically poop next to the bus. I can guarantee that not one person judged it. Everybody was just like, you go there. There's no toilets. We're not looking. Go make yourself feel better. Everyone is supportive. Everybody will do anything to help you. We're all getting water, making sure there's water for them when they get back on the bus. And I can guarantee they would have felt embarrassed because I would have totally. But no one would have thought anything else of it. We didn't question it. Everyone was just worried about their safety and making sure they're okay. And that's something that I remind myself of is if I do have a reaction to something, it happens, whatever, you just got to go, you got to go. For me, being exhausted is the biggest issue I have while traveling. So the way that I always plan my trips, which is probably the reason why I plan my trip from start to finish while I'm doing it. I rarely will go on the fly. I know a lot of you will just go somewhere, book your first flight and then just go with the flow from there. I love that. I would love to do that, but I don't think I would cope with that because I need to give myself down days. And I know that you can probably do that while you're doing it that way. But I think for me, peace of mind, knowing it's in my schedule before I leave is a way that I cope with how I travel. So when I go to the US, I will do party, 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 go to my friends in Iowa, my beautiful friends in Iowa and stay with them and chill out, do nothing. 
and my beautiful friends say to me, I feel so bad that you've done like nothing for two days. You've stayed at home and watched Netflix. And I look at them and smile and say, this is perfect. This is what I wanted. I need that time. If I don't give myself downtime, I can't get through my trip. I need to be able to give myself a balanced trip because when I want to party, I like to party and I like to go out and maybe be out until four in the morning. Not so much now that I'm getting older. I did it on the weekend. Yay me. That never happens. I was in a show. It was cast drinks. The cast are awesome. Yeah. So I was out until 4am, but that rarely happens anymore. But if I'm going to, and I want to party, I want to have the energy to be able to do that. So I give myself times where I'm down so I can reserve my energy. So on days like that, when I want to party, there'll be times where I might just go sit by myself, be quiet, take it in, go maybe watch something. I often also get my own room and that's the main reason I do because I need my alone, quiet time. If I'm going to have a conversation with somebody, I want to give them my everything. I want to be able to look them in the eye, have a conversation with them, learn about who they are, where they've been, what they've done. If I can't give that person energy, it's rude of me to be in that conversation. So I like to retreat, give myself time to get my energy levels back up, then go mingle, meet people, listen to their stories, interact with them, play some pool, whatever it may be, whatever hostel you're in. So that's how I do it. That's why I prefer my own room. I find it a bit hard in a dorm because I am such a social person that I constantly want to be talking to people if they're there. I feel bad if I see someone walk in and they look like they want to have a conversation. I feel bad to not talk to that person. Or if they look like they're sad, I can't not say, are you okay? Do you need a chat? I just can't. So I need to be able to be by myself where I don't get distracted and I can be in me, give myself my reserves back, give me some energy and then go out and be that person for other people if they need it or just go and enjoy myself, which I love to do. I love to meet new people. Something I didn't speak about earlier was when I was at my worst, how I was basically living. I would get up in the morning and I didn't have the energy to make breakfast. I would get from my bed, I would force myself out of my bed to the couch and my mum would make me breakfast and I'd have to sit there for probably an hour before I could get up. It was such a task for me to actually get out of that couch and then slowly I would be able to do things. My mum would say, let's go for a walk up the street to the shops, maybe three blocks away, not very far. And she used to say to me, I can't believe how slow you're walking. I said, I don't understand what you mean. I'm okay. I'm walking fine. She said, you are so slow. By the time it takes you to move your feet, I could have gone to the shops and come back. I actually didn't realize how slow I was and how much I was struggling. I guess that's normal. You can't see yourself from someone else's perspective unless you're got a video camera or something where you can see it. I couldn't see it. I knew that I was struggling. I knew that it was hard. I was working at the time, but I was only working a few days a week. I would start at 10 and finish at four. And they 
other days that I could cope with. I could handle working those hours. Again, I would have to get up super early to be able to sit on that couch, to get the energy, to get up, to have a shower, to get going. It always took me a long time. There was times where I remember being in bed thinking, I don't think I can get out of bed today. And then I would think about, every time I go to talk about this, it makes me cry. I didn't know this was such a trigger for me, but obviously it is. I'd think about how much I loved basketball. Oh my gosh, it's weird that basketball makes me cry so much. But I would think about how much I loved it and how much I wanted to play and how important it was to me to be on that court with my teammates and I would push myself. I ended up eventually getting to play in a team. I said to you earlier that I got cut from a team and it broke my heart. Another team picked me up and I ended up going playing for them. And that coach, Matt Dickens, I'm giving you a call out because he respected and understood what chronic fatigue syndrome was and he played me to my ability. And that opened my heart and my world to I can do things as long as I tailor it to how it works. And Matt Dickens had a lot to do with that. So Matt, I thank you. You probably have no idea how much you impacted my life by you. Oh my gosh, I can't believe how much this makes me cry, people. I really didn't expect the tears to be flowing on this episode, but obviously it still is in there. Yes, Matt, you had a lot to do with me realizing that I can live and do all the things I need to do as long as I give myself short bursts. And that's what you would do. You'd put me on the court, let me play for a bit, take me off, rest me, put me on, play. And I remember playing against the team that cut me and I came out and I played a ripper of a game and we beat them. And it was the best feeling looking at that coach and thinking you didn't understand what you had in me. Oh, such a good feeling. My last trip to Peru, we did a lot of hiking. And I remember thinking, you're putting yourself out there, Michelle. Are you going to be able to do this? I wanted to do the Inca Trail. I don't know if it was my dad or if it was something else, but I wasn't able to do the Inca Trail. The permits were booked out. So we did one day of the Inca Trail. But our guide, Herlin, who's on one of my episodes, he said to me, Michelle, I'm glad you weren't able to because you probably wouldn't have been able to do the Inca Trail for the fact that I have height issues and I get really scared with being up high and with nothing next to me. It worked out well. And we didn't know we were summiting a mountain, which you've probably heard in my previous (laughs) episodes as well. And that was the hardest thing I've ever done. Heidi went probably, she's never told me to this day, this is how beautiful she is and how much I love her. She's still never told me how much earlier she got to the Rainbow Mountains because she didn't want to make me feel bad. So I don't know how far she was in front of me. I'm assuming an hour to two hours in front of me. And I hadn't told Herlin, my guide, that I had chronic fatigue syndrome. And I guess this is quite normal for a lot of people that have been through what I've been through because you don't want to feel different. You don't want to feel like there's something wrong with you. You don't want someone to judge you and feel sorry for you. And I thought, no, I'm at a good place. I want to give this a go without him judging me. And I didn't tell him. Oh, hindsight, I probably shouldn't have. I should have. It probably would have been better for him to know. 
But there's part of me that's just so pig-headed that I'm just like, no, I'm going to do this like I'm normal, like there's nothing wrong with me, and I'm going to get through this. Well, I nearly passed out a couple of times. He grabbed me before I hit the ground. And then he was getting, at points, he was getting a little bit frustrated with me. So then I did tell him and said and told him that I have something that's called chronic fatigue syndrome and it means that exhaustion takes me over and that's why I struggled so much. I couldn't eat. I was going to throw up. I was dry reaching. I was so exhausted. But I also had hiked so much. When I got to the summit, I thought this is amazing. When we got to the Rainbow Mountains, I broke down in tears in Heidi's arms And Heidi knows about my struggles and she just grabbed me and I said, I can't believe I just did this. I can't believe I did that hike. In all of my dreams, there's no way that I would have ever been able to summit a 5,000 meter mountain. And I did. And I got to the end. It took me a very long time. And there was points where I looked at Herlin and said, I don't think I can do this. And he said, yes, you can. He said, we're just resting. So we would stop and we would rest and go for another 10 steps, stop, rest, 10 steps, which is why Heidi waited so long for me because she was just powering through. She's a machine, that woman. She is amazing. But I did it. And then I had those moments of thinking, I couldn't have even walked to the letterbox 10, 15 years ago. Mm, I'm a bit older than that, Michelle, but I don't want to do the math right now. So I was so proud of myself that I did. And I looked after myself the next day, did not get out of bed. We stayed in bed. Heidi did too because she was exhausted as well. And we stayed in bed all day and got my energy back. And then we went and we went to other parts of Peru where we got to chill out. And then I had also planned that we went to the Galapagos Islands after this because I knew I needed some downtime and that was going to be it. Going to go chill out, relax on the Galapagos Islands, which we did. It was beautiful. We spent a full day laying on the beach. It was amazing. So this trip in particular, knowing there was going to be hiking, I knew I needed that afterwards. But all my trips I have always done where I have downtime. And the downtime for me often is visiting people I know. So I'll do a lot of activities where maybe I've gone traveling by myself or I've joined a tour somewhere and then I'll go and stay with friends or I'll go stay with family in Europe because I've got family all over Europe. I'm lucky like that. Friends all over the US. So I will make sure that I have kind of a home base where I know I can chill out for maybe five days or a week and then keep going. Because like I've said previously, my trips are often three months around there coming from Australia. If you're going to do it, you want to make a good trip. The flights are so long, so it's so hard to go for such a short time. And we have the leave here. I know my American listeners, you are shocked with how much leave Aussies get. We get four weeks a year. And then if you keep adding that up, you might get more. And the way my work works, I get a lot more. So it works out well for me. Not everybody gets that or can take that depending on their position. But that's why you see Aussies all around the world because it's so important here to have a healthy mind and being able to take four weeks break and look after yourself is so important. And the workplace understands this because then you go back to work and you feel refreshed and happy and cultured depending on what you've done and where you've been. Maybe you've stayed at home for four weeks as long as it makes you feel better. 
And that's the most important thing. So tailor your trip to whatever your health issues are. If you need to get your own room because you feel like you need to use the bathroom and you're worried about that, get your own room. Save a bit more money. Go a little bit later than maybe you needed to go. Don't go straight away without the money. Save it. Go then. Do what makes you happy and what you can deal with. I'm sorry I got emotional this episode. I hope you can relate to some of the things I've been through. That was the whole point of me opening up. I didn't expect to become such a crybaby. I'm so sorry about that. I hope it helps you and I hope that maybe you've got something out of this. Something I haven't mentioned is if you don't know what chronic fatigue syndrome is, please look it up because I maybe I haven't explained it fully. There are a lot of people that are bedridden. They aren't as lucky as what I was to be able to get out of bed. It is a really debilitating. There is now more research going towards it, but they need help. Since I've been diagnosed for such a long time, I pretty much joined straight away the Chronic Fatigue Foundation, which has now changed names from what it was originally to emerge.org.au. So E-M-E-R-G-E.org.au. Please go check them out. If you want to donate, donate. They do amazing work. I have been part of this foundation for a long time. They've helped me. They send out journals all the time, reading other people's stories. It really helped. It really made me understand that I wasn't alone. So if you are going through something, I highly recommend reaching out to the organizations. It does make you feel better. Emerge has been great for me. Please, if you want to donate, donate. If you want to research, get a better understanding of it, please do that. It is something that a lot of people still struggle with. They need funding. There's not enough going towards it at all. And we need more awareness for chronic fatigue syndrome. There's a lot of people out there struggling more than me. But if they can hear this, I got through there and I climbed a mountain that was 5,000 meters, something that I would never imagine that I would have been able to do. And just keep trying to do the best you can. And if those are baby steps, and that's how I lived my life, baby steps, get up and make breakfast. That was my baby steps. And I was in a show this last week and I was exhausted that yesterday was my first day off after finishing the show. And it took me an hour to get up and make breakfast. So I still have days where it kicks in and I go, oop, settle down, get yourself back together. And now here I am, able to talk to you. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I want you to take away from it that no matter what your problems are, please just do the best you can. Please subscribe if you haven't already. I love getting all of the emails from everybody telling me, that they're relating to things that I'm talking about and it's helping you travel. I love it. I see all my listeners all around the world, in Spain, in Finland, in Russia, in Iran, from Sweden. I love that you guys are listening. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. I hope that you get something out of this and please keep the emails coming. I love hearing from you. If you have suggestions on topics you want me to cover, send it through. Thank you. And remember, I'm with you every step. Thanks for listening to With You Every Step, hosted by Michelle Lee. We do hope you enjoyed listening. And if you did, make sure you tell everybody. If you didn't, 
Nobody likes a Debbie Downer. Please subscribe to get up to date with our latest releases and give us a thumbs up on our social media at With You Every Step. We love to hear from you. If you have any questions or inquiries, head to the Contact Us page at our website, michellelee.com. That's also where you'll find all our blogs mentioned in the podcast. We love to hear from you and if we have inspired you to travel. Thanks for listening. Love life and adventure on.